Hey, this is Joshua Brown, lead pastor here at Dream Church. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Let's go to Psalm... Um, 56. Let's go to Psalm 56. Uh, Paul was supposed to preach today, and so this is all fresh, but Paul will be speaking next week. So, um, but just kind of in light of everything going on, I just felt felt a burden to um, just kind of speak in some stuff, and Ellington's going to jump up here in a minute too, but um, let me... Uh, let me read this just for a second, and then I might jump back to, uh, to Psalm 12, but you don't have to turn there. I'm just reading one verse from there. So Psalm 56, um, let me just encourage you with this real quick. The Lord showed me this this morning. I just want to read it. Uh, David is writing this, um, and he's writing this when uh, the Philistines captured him in Gath, and, uh, and he's writing this as he has been captured as a prisoner. To the Philistines, okay. So, um, he in in the Passion Translation, if you're reading this, he actually he wrote this after the Philistines had captured him. So, um, so let me just uh, kind of read this, and then uh, we'll we'll go through from there. Verse one: Lord, show me your kindness. This is the Passion Translation, by the way. Lord, show me your kindness and mercy. For these men oppose and oppress me all day long. Not a day goes by but that somebody harasses me. So many in their pride trample me under their feet. But in the day that I'm afraid, I lay my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. What harm could a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart, and I will always triumph as I trust in his promises. Day after day, cruel critics distort my words. Constantly, they plot my collapse Lurking in the dark, waiting, spying on the movements in secret to take me by surprise, ready to take my life. They don't deserve to get away with this. Look at their wickedness, their injustice, Lord. In your fierce anger, cast them down to defeat. Listen to this right here. I've read this verse, I've quoted this verse many times throughout this, since our church started. You've kept track of all my wondering and my weeping. Listen to this. You've stored my many tears in your bottle, and not one will be lost. You've stored my many tears in your bottle, and not one will be lost. For they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, 
Remember, he had just been captured. This one thing I know, God is on my side. I trust in the Lord and I praise him. I trust in the word of God and I praise him. What harm could man do to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. My heart overflows with praise to God for his promises. I will always trust in him. So I'm thanking you with all my heart, with gratitude for all you've done. I will do everything I've promised you, Lord. For you have saved my soul from death and my feet from stumbling so that I can walk before the Lord bathed in his life-giving light. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> so David, though it's obviously different, different culture, different things, is walking through what I've talked about, especially through coronavirus, but it, it applies here too. He, David is, is a pro at the art of what's biblically called lamenting. And to lament is to, just in layman's terms, is to be raw before the Lord, is to be crushed before the Lord. And so when coronavirus, you know, started and all these people started dying and, you know, all that stuff, it's, it's, it's not for us to turn a blind eye and say like, well, you know, that's just kind of how it is. That's not what the Lord is doing. The Lord is brokenhearted over every single person that's been affected by what's going on around the world. So David, in lamenting, moment after moment, you can read through the beginning, like Psalm 10, 11, 12, 13, like around there. And all throughout the book of Psalms, there's moments when David is saying, Lord, where are you? When are you going to come take care of my enemies? It seems like my enemies do nothing but succeed. At what point are you going to come and help? This is David, right? And a lot of times I think we fear or we feel awkward being raw with the Lord when he knows your heart before you say a word. So on the flip side, the reason that lamenting is worship is because when I bring to the Lord the rawness of what I'm feeling, it then becomes an exchange where he can take my burden and my load and I can take his burden and his load. But he can't take what I don't give him. See what I'm saying? So when David is raw and unfiltered and straight before the Lord, what begins to happen is you'll read this all throughout the Psalms. There'll be a moment when he's like, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. This is the worst. My life is crushed, all that stuff. And then a few verses later, he's saying, but I trust in the Lord. All your words are true. Your words are like silver refined in a crucible seven times. Why is he doing that? Because in that moment, as he releases the rawness of who he is and what he's feeling and what he's walking through, he's beginning to exchange that for what the Lord wants to give him, which is light and easy. So what's going on in our society today, and I said this a little bit in worship, is all the stuff that for centuries has just been shoved down and almost, I'll say it like this. You know how when you're um, trying to avoid somebody in public, hopefully none of y'all do that, but when you're trying to, or, you know, you see a family member in public and you're like, you know, like walking like that because it's like, man, I don't have time to talk or whatever. 
what I feel like the picture I have is the church specifically, and I can only speak for the church. That's the only authority I have. Um, and it's not the only place, but from my perspective, the church in a lot of issues has done this. You know that phrase that, uh, that became popular when George Bush was president, the don't ask, don't tell thing with the army? That's kind of what I feel like we've done with a lot of issues, including racism. Don't ask, don't tell. If we don't talk about it, maybe it'll go away. You know what I mean? That's what we've done. And so what we're seeing right now, this week especially, and it's not the only, I mean, two weeks ago, we were, or two or three weeks ago, it was the same thing with somebody else. And I mean, it's, it happens over and over and over and over and over and over. Why is that? Because nobody has ever dealt with the issue. It's exactly what I tell people that are going through looking at stuff they shouldn't look at on the computer or whatever, whatever habitual sin people are walking through. Until that thing comes to the light and it's dealt with, it'll never be dealt with. You can't shove it far enough down for it to just go away. It has to come up, be dealt with, and then you move on from there. And so what I believe is happening right now is the Lord in goodness is showing us the poverty of our understanding of what's going on with our brothers and sisters. And he's showing us the poverty of what we have called our faith for centuries. The fact, let me say it like this, the fact that America was founded on the Lord yet in 2020, something like what happened a week ago is still happening, is appalling to me. You know what I'm saying? A country that was founded to represent to the globe and claims to represent to the globe, Jesus Christ looks as little like Jesus Christ as any other country that doesn't even know who he is. In fact, there's a lot of times I would argue the countries that don't know who he is look a lot more like him than we do. But like this, all this, like has to end. It has to end. And the reason we're talking about it here is because I believe there's some stuff that the Lord has unlocked in us that has given us authority to lead us out of a lot of these things. I believe that 100%. This is my city. It's not, I honor Steve Benjamin. It's not Steve Benjamin's. This is my city. He said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. I've asked for Columbia as mine. So as the authority in Columbia and as the father in Columbia, I say this cannot go on anymore. Are y'all with me? I'm real quiet. Okay. So let me just say this real quick and Ellington, I'll, you know, get you up here because Ellington just, I love Ellington. I love Ellington. He's been with me from the very beginning before probably anybody in this room. Yeah, pretty much, except Matt. Matt was there the first Sunday. Outside of Matt and Dreer, is that it? That's it. That's it. Everybody else has left us. Most of them probably called us the devil too. So, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just playing. But uh, Ellington's been here from the beginning, and, um, and it's just there's a lot of things that, that he has a perspective on because of where he is in our church that I think is really valuable for us. So I'm going to call him up in a second. But I talk a lot, and people don't understand why I do this. I talk a lot, and hang with me for just a second, about the end all the time. 
every single thing I do is correcting wrong, unbiblical views of how all of this plays out. Okay? Let me say it like this. If our job is to host the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven until the earth is so glorious and looks so much like the image of heaven that then Jesus comes back after the cry of revelation, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and then he comes back and reigns, that shifts how we view everything. Because now... I'm not washing my hands of a dirty, nasty earth that's going to get blown up anyway. Now I'm hosting the measure of presence that's required to change the globe into the kingdom of our Lord. And that's why I talk about this all the time. So let me say it like this. Everybody who believes we're getting snatched away and the earth's going to get blown up, you know what they're really not talking about right now? Racism. And we're really not, nobody's talking about climate change, my Lord. Because most are Republican and most don't believe in it. Ouch. Okay, right? Who cares? Throw acid into the sky all we want because we're getting out of here. Guess what? We're not. I mean, you might, but I don't think I'd want to be on that train. Are are y'all with me? And people, people in America only, people in America, like, like bro, well, brother, well, brother, have you read first? Yes, I've read it. I've read the whole Bible 10 times. I've read it. I know what it says, and this is getting good. Why do I say that? Because when stuff happens, like has been happening, not just this week, but for years, but what happens is then the church has a perspective that says, I see injustice And as the one who is called to shift injustice into justice so that the kingdom of our world becomes the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, as the one who's called to shift that, I now have to take the burden of what's going on in our world. Y'all with me? So, So this isn't something that is just a black issue. And we pray for him and hope that this gets taken care of at some point. That's not what this is. This is a son and daughter of God that creation is standing on tiptoe. You're seeing it right now. What does it look like for creation to stand on tiptoe waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God? People in downtown Columbia last night angry at what they should be angry about. And the sons and daughters of God now saying, I see you, creation. I'm bringing you out of your bondage. That's what it looks like. What's all of creation standing on tiptoe? It's our entire country right now in an uproar for not just one case of injustice, but for a lifetime in America of injustice after injustice after injustice that never gets dealt with. We shouldn't still have people that are walking through Walmart now, and if somebody of color comes behind them, they're looking behind their back. We we shouldn't be that in that place in America, and we never should have been. But that's the reality of where we are. It's not what happens out in public, because there's very few people that have the guts to go out in public and say what they're really feeling. So it's not what happens in public. It's what happens when you're in your house and you're around a few family members or a few friends and somebody comes driving by with pumping music or whatever and you say, of course. 
that is what it is. And so, um, Ellington, go ahead and come up here. Um, let me say this before we do this. If you're watching this today, let me be clear about what this is not, okay? Just let me be straight up, because I've already gotten calls and emails. Let me be clear about what this is not. And if you're in the room, let me be clear about what this is not. This is not a play on the current situation that's going on. I, I can promise you this. There's a lot of churches today that said, hey, y'all, y'all see what's going on in the news? We got to get the best black person we have to get up on stage and speak tomorrow because this is what we need to do. That ain't, that, this ain't that at all. So I want to straighten that out right there. Do not send me an email. I'm I'm serious. Because that's not, I'm trying to change. I don't have time for people throwing, like, we, this is change, okay? And so I know I'm passionate about that, but this is just where we are in the week. So, um, Ellington, I would love for you to kind of speak whatever the Lord has uh, spoken on your heart, and, um, and we'll go from there. Oh, sorry, Daniel. Can you press U1, the little shortcut button right there? U1 on the right side of the board. There it is. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Um, cool. So, well, I was just uh, driving in this morning and I was praying to God because I knew that this was going to be happening um, for me to be able to talk and share my heart in the most loving way. Um, Kyrie, he knows this, but we were in Charleston, I think, last weekend and we randomly met a very awesome group of people who just got to pour into us and talk to us. Um, and one of the things that stuck with me is they said that, you know, we have tough skin, but a soft heart. And, and that's where I'm just going to come from today. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve, as many of you might know. And so I'm not going to hold back when I say these things. Um, how many of y'all just by show of hands have had an encounter with a homeless person? It's pretty much everybody in this room, including myself. Um, This week, I felt like a homeless man. I'm giving you a little bit of imagery here. I felt like a homeless man. I felt like the man that sat down in the same spot and asked people for help. The same man who actually is not a drug addict, who actually is not a substance abuser, who actually is not an alcoholic, but a man who desperately needs help. A man who is homeless because of his circumstances and the way that his cars have been dealt for life. He's got the short end of the stick, but he's still homeless and helpless. And as that man, I sit, and from a distance I see the stairs, but as soon as they get close, I see them look away. That's how I felt. And I felt this not for just myself, but other people, not just black, not just white, not just Hispanic or whatever. I felt this as a nation, as a people, children of God. And I felt this from the place that should be very unified, but isn't. I've talked about this before, the church. As a brother in Christ, no matter what color my skin is, I felt that I have not had support 
from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's angered me. We've talked about it. And does my life actually, you know, is it dictated by the support of others? No, it's not. It's about Jesus. And if I did not have Jesus, I don't know where I would be. So Jesus is 100% the answer with this, but we also understanding our identity is not the color of our skin, but it's what's coursing through our veins. I should be able to speak to somebody who doesn't look like me and look at them and honor that they came from a different background than me, but they might have something that to give that I don't have. And that person should honor me for who I am as a human being and say, hey, I see this person hurting, but let me come and lift them up. We as Christians, especially our church, believe in healing. We believe in praying for the sick, raising the dead, all these things that honestly a lot of Christians don't believe in. But that's another topic for another day. We believe in these things. And so if I have the courage to go stand to a man who is wearing a brace and say, I pray to God that you be healed. Why do I not have courage to go to a person who is weeping and mourning and say, I pray for you and I feel the God for you? That's why I've been hurting this week. That's why I've been in tears. And the crazy thing about it is that everything that I have felt, I've had these, these, internal thoughts of do I have the right to feel this way like God like I I know I'm supposed to be very loving and I'm supposed to you know you know respond and and just you know whatever turn the other cheek but if you look at Jesus's life he also brought attention to the things that were wrong he talked about them he was persecuted for them the disciples, same thing. They rebuked each other for doing things that were wrong. So my thought process about this is how do we talk about it? How do we sit down and understand that, hey, I love this person because they're a person? How do we change the mentality that a lot of people will say, oh, I love all races, But like he said, behind closed doors, that's not the case. I would say you don't love all races, you tolerate them. There's a huge difference. I don't tolerate my friends who don't look like me. I love them. It's got to go deeper than that. And we have to be willing to listen and learn We have to be willing to sit down and put ourselves around people who don't always look like us and understand and ask questions. Hey, have you faced this? If you face this, what can I do as a brother, not as a black man or as a white man or as a whatever, what can I do as a brother, as a loving Christian who is living Christ-like to help you? I know we talk about the colorblindness thing, but honor each other for the difference. 
We're not all supposed to look the same. This world would be so boring if we all looked the same. So boring. That's why I can't just listen to one genre of music for the rest of my life. Because I need, I love the diversity. I love other people's minds and how they think and, and how they're be, being the body. We talk about the church being so broken up. It's not the body. It's not the body. It's different pieces. I, I can't remember. It was one of y'all that told me a while ago. It's like if you take a picture and or a body and you cut off a hand, you cut off a leg, and you cut off all these different parts of the body and you disperse them everywhere, you can look and see what they are, but you don't know where they came from. Wow. And our church is in that state right now. And if the church cannot be the body, how can we as a people be a body with each other? How can we as a people say, hey, he's a hand, I'm a foot, but you know what? We still connected. Ephesians 2, Don and I have talked about this a good bit, talks about the unity. We missed that. Either we missed it or we forgot about it or we swept it under the rug. And we talk about a whole other, a bunch of things, religious things, but we forget the importance of loving people, loving your neighbor as yourself. My neighbors around me are not black, <laughs> but I love them. I'm sure you have people that are in your neighborhoods, near you, all over, coworkers, all that, that are not, that don't look like you. But we're supposed to love them, not just tolerate them. And smile and say, hey, Dave, how you doing? You know, God, I really can't stand that guy. Right. That's not it. And so I'm not going to talk super long, but this is just my heart. Um, and I, I really, as a son, am crying out to my brothers and my sisters for help in this nation, in our city, in our, in our homes and our families, I'm crying out for help because there are people that have been crying, but after a while, just like the homeless man, they see people walk by, they just stop asking. So that's yeah, really what I got. I, something that you said, well, a lot of stuff you said was awesome. You didn't tell me any of that stuff. <laughs> um, but so good. And the thing that, like, sorry. The thing that I think um, that I've realized, and we talked about this this morning a little bit, but like, is that because, especially here at Dream, let's just speak here, because we're in a bubble that I've been calling it, that like we're around black people and white people and people of different races and stuff like that all the time, sometimes because of the normality of it, we can almost forget that outside of this bubble, that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? And like, and so you don't have to get into detail, but like there are certain things that in having conversations with people this week, there's certain things that specifically black people have learned to just live with that I'm not cool with them living with. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I talked to uh, somebody this week that said like, I'm just going to have to basically look over my shoulder the rest of my life. And I was like, no, that like, that's not cool. But because the people that we're around have learned to just live with it, we mistake that 
in ignorance, we mistake that for it's not an issue. You know what I'm saying? And until everybody can live free indeed, which is not looking over your shoulder and not worried that if you get pulled over for speeding that you're going to get checked out and all that stuff because of the color of your skin, until we live in a country that's not like that, not everybody is free indeed. And so if we are one body, like he's saying, and I'm the hand and he's the foot and the foot gets broke, guess what? The hand can't take me anywhere. I can't move unless the foot is fixed. So the reason the body of Christ has been stuck in the same spot for generation after generation after generation is because we got broken legs and broken feet and broken toes and broken hearts, etc. And the healthy pieces, instead of saying, you know what, we got to fix what's broken in our body, instead say, well, I'm not broken. That's, that's really what we do. So we don't, we, don't, we don't try to fight to end racism. Instead, we'll have all black churches and all white churches and all Asian churches. Right? Hello? South Carolina? And, right? Instead of being in a church where we understand, there's a tension right now going on. And where, you know, even in my conversations with Ellington, there's stuff that I didn't understand Ellington walked through until we started talk, talking about it. Had no idea. And that's wrong of me because I haven't been asking certain questions that I just had no, it's ignorance. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't know if you wanted to add anything right there, but like, um, Certain people be like, yeah, that was not right, but you know, we're, we're going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be all right. That, that wasn't right, but we'll be all right. We're not. Haven't been very vocal. And after seeing the video of George Floyd, something sparked up in me. And I saw how ruthless and animalistic it was. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. And I, one of my best friends, he literally is like my brother. He's white. And he messaged me and said, I'm so sorry for what's going on. Have I ever done anything that's made you feel like I was being racist? Have I ever done? And going back in my head, I really couldn't think of a time. But the fact that he thought about it, like, oh, my gosh, like, have I done something to? And it's not about necessarily being offended, but it's about what's right and what's wrong. And he took the time to reach out. I've had a cop reach out to me on Instagram that I went to school with, and he's a white cop, and he's like, oh, my gosh, like I, I, I've seen all this stuff happen, and, and I hate it. Like, what can I do to make a change? Like, and he's telling me a story. If you're watching, I'm not going to drop a name, whatever. But um, he's telling me a story about he got a call that there were three men that were walking on the phone in a neighborhood, and the neighborhood's a predominantly white neighborhood. Well, as a cop, he has to respond to the call because these people are sketched out, whatever. Well, he gets there, and it's three three black guys just walking in the neighborhood. And so the first thing he asks them, do y'all live here? And they're like, yeah, we do. We live right down there. And he's like, y'all have a good day. 
the issue was not him being racist. It was a call from somebody who had hatred in her heart. That's where it started. He as a cop just had to respond. That's his civic duty. That's what he's supposed to do. But people looking at somebody that's saying, oh, they're these three black guys walking down the street, they're looking sketchy, I'm going to call the cops. These dudes are on the phone, they live in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know? But these are the things that I wouldn't have even known that from him if he had not reached out to me to talk. And now I'm like asking him questions, like what are these different things? It's just a dialogue. But I would not be able to sit there and talk to him, and he wouldn't be able to talk to me if we didn't honor each other as humans. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, that's... That's exactly what it is. And I feel like as a church, because the thing that I've wrestled with and had conversations with people about is like, what do we do? Because I'm not the type, if y'all have been around here at any point, I'm not the type to sit back and just be like, I guess that's kind of how it is, and just talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, us talking means absolutely nothing if something doesn't come out of this. And so, like, I would love for you to share, and then I'll, I'll share what I think. But, like, what's some steps that you think that – um could come out of this even as simple as reaching out to people because that's what I was saying earlier is I think a lot of us um maybe you didn't reach out to anybody this week in our church okay just to see like hey you doing good blah 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 I don't have social media now I didn't even find out about this going on until Wednesday when Ellington told me it was going on because I'm not on social media and so um so anyway so maybe you haven't reached out to certain people and stuff like that. And that's something so little that even I could be better about. I've had conversations with people about could it be a, I could be a lot better about it too. And so like, but outside of that, you know, what's some stuff that you feel like that you've been praying over that would be awesome? Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I just think just like, first off, like we, we talk about going into the quiet place, like going to a quiet place. And if you don't know what I mean, like, Spend time with Jesus by yourself and ask him to reveal the motives of your heart. Because if we're talking to somebody and we're going in it already thinking that we have a certain like, oh, well, whatever, like you're still going to be deaf when you go into the conversations. Like if we go and have that refining time and God pruning these these things of us, those wicked ways that I was talking about out of us, now we have a much better way to go into the conversations when they happen. Also, another thing I think of is, you know, sometimes we, we and I do this, go through life and just think about what I need to do, what I need to do. I, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And I'm not even conscious of somebody right beside me who is bawling their eyes out or who is really in pain deep down. Because I'm, I have tunnel vision on everything I got to do. But it takes time to slow down and actually like, let me open my eyes to see what's happening. Let, let me slow my pace down so I can actually like be educated and then also be there to listen. Sometimes isn't, it's just being an ear. Like sometimes just having somebody talk to you about what's going on and just listening and even asking, what would you like me to do in this? Would you like me to give my input? Would you like, you know what I'm saying? All these different things. Like, let's go into it where it's not an argument. It's a conversation, you know? So. Yeah, because I came in this morning, because me and Ellington get here before anybody. And because uh, I, I honestly was just like, I don't, I know what I feel like the Lord wants to say. But, like, I also want to be sensitive to, like, 
making sure we're hitting the right stuff that people are actually feeling. You know what I'm saying? And um, and the thing that I uh, kept coming back to is, I won't read it, but our church, the Lord reminded me of this in worship, and then you can throw anything else you want to throw in after this, but um, our church, we got the name Dream from Acts 2, uh, which is, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh. That was massive when that was uh, fulfilled, because up till that point, the Israelites were an exclusive people to God. And so when Joel prophesies in the last days, which we've been in since Pentecost, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Ironically, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That was an earth shattering moment. Because in that moment, every single people group that before that didn't have the same access to God as the Israelites, in that moment, all had equal access to God. Crazy moment. But then he keeps going and he keeps saying, and it's fulfilled next to you, he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. That's where we get the name. And then he says this, he says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So he does two things in that moment. Number one, he destroys racial barriers. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. But then number two, you know what he does? He takes it a step further and he blows up all the socioeconomic barriers. And he says, on servants and on kings alike, I will equally pour out my spirit and all of them will equally prophesy. In other words, when the Holy Spirit falls, it destroys distinction between man. Why? Because now the world of believers is, like he said, one body. So the low in the world, the lowest of the low and the highest of the high in the kingdom are one. He sees no distinction. And I think that's, as I was thinking about it, and ironic, not ironically, Holy Spiritly, this is a, as a dad, that's a little dad thing. Um, so you know, this where we are. Um, but it's on Pentecost Sunday, and all this week has boiled up into the point of where we are today, Pentecost Sunday. And I just wonder if the Lord is saying, hey, let me just remind you of something. When I come like I want to come, there is no distinction between people there's no distinction between income. There's no distinction between position. There's no distinction between color of your skin. There's no distinction between names and men and women. There's no distinction. The only thing that exists in his world is one body equally poured out and access to God in every way, shape, or form. And so um, I don't know if you have anything else to add right there, but Kind of, I mean, when you're talking about dream, uh, Martin Luther King was put on my heart this week, very heavy. Uh, and his famous speech is, I have a dream. 
And as I just like look out here and I see that we have a diverse, diverse group of people, um, I think it's definitely part of our responsibility to continue to carry that out where it's not just a dream, but it becomes a reality. And so, um, yeah, I, we just got to do our part, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. Daniel, where are you, Daniel? Daniel, can you come up to the keys for a minute? I know it's early, but we ain't done yet. Um, nah. Sure, yeah. Come on, yeah, you're good. <laughs> this is Bethany. Hey. Um, so a few days ago, I um, took my three-year-old pediatrician and um, <clears throat> we walked in and we sat down and you know, there's always like a little table where there's toys and stuff where all like, the other kids are playing and stuff. So we sat down and um, I looked over at him, and his eyes were sparkling, and he just got this huge grin across his whole entire face. And he said, Mama. I was like, what, buddy? And he pointed over the table, and he was like, friends. And I was like, and I looked over at the table, and there was a little Hispanic boy who didn't speak English. Um, there was two little African-American kids. One of them was a girl, and the other one had autism. Um, and just the fact that they didn't look like him, they didn't talk like him, they didn't even act or play like him, didn't make a single difference to him. That pure, innocent love for kids that he didn't even know, just because they were kids, he was like, Mom, my friends. I was like, yeah, buddy, they are your friends. So he goes over to the table, and he sits down, and he starts playing. And me, as, as a mother, I was just like, I was just about to, like, be a team. I was like, <laughs> And um, the little autistic kid uh, got upset about something, started crying. He was really super upset. And my son looked at me across the you know, room, and he was like, Mom, what do I do? And I just watched. And he, with all the little love he could muster in his heart, picked up a toy, walked across the table, gave it to a little chasing boy who was having a meltdown, gave him a hug. And he completely calmed down. <laughs> I was like, y'all, <laughs> right there in the middle of the pediatric office, I just broke down. And I was like, God.
Love has no definition. God's love has no definition. It has no, no boundaries. So, going through your week, just remember <laughs> my son and Now that's 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 awesome. I uh, I'm a, I'm gonna wrap I'm gonna wrap it up like this. I uh, I was reading this week. C.S. Lewis has some. Uh, well, uh, C.S. Lewis is awesome. Um, amen. Um, is it bad? I've gotten so used to like the sound of babies that it's just like phew, it's tuned out. Um, but C.S. Lewis has this book called The Great Divorce. It's Awesome. Has anybody ever read that book? Okay. Okay. Have you read it? Did Talisa, you raise your hand? Okay. I thought you raised your hand. Okay. So one. Awesome. So uh, read that book. Super short. I mean, it's like 100 pages, but, you know, short. Uh, and so in this book, this is how I want to wrap it up. In this book, he, um, the book is a, it's a fiction book, but it's about a man who is in hell, and he takes a bus and goes to what he later finds out as heaven. And all throughout the book is conversations between people who are on the bus and they're redeemed in heaven. And the redeemed are constantly trying to get those who were on the bus to run to the mountain with them to be transformed into those who are redeemed as well. And it begins, and it's really awesome. Like he gives descriptions of, uh, of heaven and ultimately new heaven, new earth, and all this stuff that are unbelievable. But um, how solid is more solid than anything we've ever known, and senses are more sensible than anything we've ever known. But in every story, all the redeemed kept coming back to the same thing, which was, if you would just become like a child, every one of your questions would go away. And the whole thing was the only way that you can run to the mountain to see the face of God with me is if you leave everything else behind. That's the only caveat. You don't have to change who you are. You don't have to change anything. They say, if you'll just come with me, he'll change everything for you. All you've got to do is just leave all that stuff behind. And none of them did it, except for one. And he's going through the story, and at the end... Uh, the teacher begins to describe what it means to be redeemed from pity. So what is, what is pity? Pity is when I look at someone and respond out of how I feel bad in that moment versus what I'm actually feeling in reality. That's what pity is. Pity is a poor reason to do anything, okay, in the wrong sense, okay? So if I look at someone and I've got, I, I'm horrible at this. I sugarcoat everything. Some of the leaders here, y'all know, I, like, I've gotten, the Lord's redeemed me. But, like, my whole life, all I do is sugarcoat because I just, I fear, I used to fear rejection. And that's pity. And so, but in this book, he describes that and he says, here's the thing about heaven, the only way anything can be resurrected into a heavenly reality is for it to die first, which we all know. But he said, it's not just physical bodies. It's everything. 
So if racism dies, then what is resurrected on the other side of it is an equal amount of love where hate was present in racism. Y'all with me? So the greater the injustice or the greater the sin or the greater wrong thinking that dies, the greater the reality of that thing in resurrection is. That's what the whole thing is about. And I was thinking about that this week. Ironically, again, I was reading this book. I read it in two nights, which for me does not happen ever. Um, But I got to the end and I started thinking about it and I was like, what would the world look like if this actually died? Not just got better. Like, what would the world look like if this actually died? And then I start thinking, what would Christians look like if they actually died? Because you can't die to racism until you die to yourself. And you can't die to yourself and not die to racism. So what we're seeing around our country isn't just racism. It's a bunch of pretenders that have never actually died. In, listen, listen, can I say something? Can I say something without anybody? This injustice is something we need to be very passionate about changing. And then we need to take what comes out of that and we need to start aiming the love of God at every injustice that's still present around us. Until every black person has the same freedom as white people, I will not rest until every baby is born and has an option to live their life, I will not rest. Until every wife and kid can live in a home without fear of abuse, I will not rest. Until, listen, I saw a statistic this morning. Y'all wanna just be real? I saw a statistic this morning that black people um, or black sounding names had to submit 50% more applications for jobs than white people names. What? In America, land of the free and home of the brave. Right? Two million babies, two million babies have been ripped to shreds this year. Ripped to shreds. It, it's an issue of not dying. And so what I just feel like we want to do, we're going to play for a minute. It's only 1138, which for us is basically the beginning. So, you know, so it's only 1138. But like, I I just, I know this is a different day. This is a day that should have happened a long time ago. Um, and And it really stinks. And I take full responsibility for the fact that it had to take a week like this before we talked about this. And so that's wrong. But... Now that we're here, um, I just I feel like we just need to spread out for a minute. You don't have to. I would encourage it, but spread out for a minute. Not be, let's not be on our phones. Let's not be distracted. And just for the next moment, if we are going to host a revival that will bring on earth as it is in heaven into Colombia, some some people got to die. And I'm not talking about literally. Okay. 
I have to, it's really sad. I have to say, I'm, li- I'm not literally talking about it. I'm talking about spiritually, Adam in you has to be put to death. Not partially, fully. You can't legally say you're born again unless the one that you used to be is completely dead. You can say you have a mask on that looks new. Sure, go ahead and do that. You can't say you're born again unless you've died. Which is why there was this day, Pentecost Sunday, after all Jesus did, he died on a cross, he rose to life. A dead man walked out of his own tomb three days later, and only 120 saw a resurrected Jesus walking around and said, he's given us access to something we've never had access before. How? A dead man was walking around the city And people had the audacity to look at that and say, nah, that's not what we were waiting for. 120. It wasn't a lot. You know why? Because it is a big price to pay to be living in this. It'll cost you everything. Unless you lose your life, you'll never find it. Eat my flesh and drink my blood or you'll have no part in me. Narrow is the way, small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and only a few find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction and many find it. I don't want to find myself on the broad way. I want to find myself on the narrow way that becomes such a holy way that the narrow way in loves lead to a globe that the narrow way actually becomes the broad way because the redeemed have hosted heaven on earth in such a way that the sons and daughters of God become who they are. I say this all the time, and then we're going to wrap it up. I say this all the time. When we lead people to Jesus, we're not telling them there's somebody that they're not and trying to convince them to be somebody they're not. We're removing the veil of what they think they are not. So let me say it like this. Everything in creation was created good. All of it. So a baby that's born, a baby is good. When evil enters the picture, it does not change the fact that the baby's good. It makes the baby good with a facade of evil. With me? So his judgment isn't aimed at us. His judgment is aimed at everything that's keeping us from being us, which is the one that was knit together fearfully and wonderfully in our mother's womb. It is illegal for a Christian or anybody to look at somebody because of the color of their skin and say they're lesser than me. Illegal. You know why? Because Yahweh knit them together in their mother's womb just like they are. And so if I'm looking at somebody and looking down on them because of who they are, it's not because of who they are that I'm going after. It's Yahweh himself that tediously and fearfully and wonderfully knit them together to be who they are. And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray. 
Because I'm, I'm telling y'all, th- this thing is getting good. How do you know that, Josh? Because we're finally dealing with this. So Yahweh, I pray, if you want to move around, just get in your own spot for a minute as I pray. Yahweh, I pray right now, right now, that you would meet us where we are. That you would meet us where we are. And that you would lay a highway of holiness in the wilderness. That it will be such a holy path that even fools will find their way. That you're making streams in the wasteland and springs in the desert. I hear the word of the Lord saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Hear that. Hear the word. I'm doing a new thing. And it is springing up right now before your eyes. The question is whether or not you perceive it. And I speak for this house and say, Yahweh, we perceive it. I see it. I see you. So as we pray, I want you to remember what we talked about last week. As we pray for just a moment, we're going to spend a little bit of time with the Lord, and then we'll be done. But as we do this, I just want you to remember that the Lord says that you are mine. You're not alone. You're not alone. The Lord himself is fighting for you. You are his. So, Lord, I pray that you would begin to speak to us and unveil the stuff in us that needs to die. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information on Dream Church or to give, visit dreamcolumbia.com. We hope you have a great week.